In his name, the nations will put their hope. This is the news headline that I want this Christmas season to be deeply embedded in our hearts and our minds. Uh, All that we see in our world, um, all the news headlines that we see, um, all the terrible things that we see happening, um, all of the the things that we are despairing about in our world, uh, the things that are a struggle in your own life, the disappointments and frustrations and failures in your own life, in all of that, this headline, in his name, the nations will put their hope. That is what we should filter all of our experiences through. In the beginning of Matthew, uh, there are two names that are given to, uh, to this boy that is born to, to Mary. The first is the name Jesus, which means God saves, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And the second in Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 1, is Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us, is the hope of the nations. Emmanuel, God with us, is the hope of the nations. There's a story told about uh, John Wesley on his deathbed. Uh, on his deathbed, he was gathered, uh, gathered around him were some of his friends and his closest family members. And he, as he's laying there on his bed, uh, he's trying to say some things to them, and they really can't understand anything that he said over the, the last few hours of his life. They, he was trying to communicate things to them, but they, they just didn't understand what he was trying to say. But in the very last moments of his life, he, he lifted up his hands and he said, And best of all is God with us. And then again, with all the energy that he had, and best of all, is God with us. And then he died. Our God in heaven, we pray that today, as John Wesley died with these words, best of all is God with us. As he died with those words on his lips, we pray that today, that we would know this in our hearts and that we would live, we would live with this truth in our hearts. Best of all is God with us. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 is the chapter where this, this word comes from. In his name, the nations will put their hope And it comes from a quotation from the the prophet Isaiah that Matthew gives to us. But right before Matthew quotes this passage from Isaiah, there are two stories in the Gospel of Matthew that I think are important for us to understand, to kind of understand the context of why um, Matthew puts this quote from Isaiah right where he does. Uh, There's two stories immediately following the quotation where Jesus has a conflict with the Pharisees, with some of the religious rulers of his day, the leaders of his day, Um, this conflict about the Sabbath day. Sabbath day is and was an important day in the life of the Jews. Um, um, Every Friday evening till Saturday evening is a day of rest, and God commanded that for the people of Israel uh, in, in the law. And so over time, people began to wonder, well, what does it mean for me to rest on the Sabbath? Because 
Life happens on the Sabbath, okay? Things come our way, you know? Um, women go into labor. Animals uh, get hurt. Uh, what does it mean to work? Can we heal an animal on, on the Sabbath day? Can we uh, help deliver uh, the calf in my flock? What can I do on the Sabbath day? How long can I carry a weight? Can I carry it from here over to there? Or can I carry it from here 10 miles? What, what is work? What does it mean to rest on the Sabbath? And so the Pharisees had come up with all of these different rules about what it meant to rest and how much work we could or couldn't do. And, and Jesus saw through all of this and saw the legalism underneath all of this. And he has these two, there's these two stories where Jesus is at conflict with the Pharisees where his disciples do what they considered work on the Sabbath day. And then Jesus himself heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day and they become angry with him. And Jesus responds to them and begins to teach them about the true meaning of the Sabbath. That the Sabbath was meant for life. It was meant for wholeness. It was meant not to destroy or to hurt life or to place restrictions on people, but as a gift given to the people of Israel so that they could have a day of rest. And they had turned it into something completely different. Well, because Jesus challenged them on this, it says that the Pharisees were so angry that they began to figure out how they could kill him. So this isn't just a differing opinion that Jesus had with them. This was enough for them to be so angry that they wanted to kill him. Matthew chapter 12, verse 13 through 14, it says, Then Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And so he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees then went out and plotted about how they might kill Jesus. How does Jesus respond to this plot? Does he defend himself with words? Does he kind of encourage his disciples to take up arms and defend himself? No, he doesn't do any of that. It says, aware of this, Jesus withdrew away from that place. He goes to a different place. He removes himself from all the animosity that's taking place between him and the Pharisees. He doesn't defend himself. Instead, he removes himself from the situation, and he goes to a different place. And there in that place, Matthew tells us that there were many who were sick, who found out where he was, and they came and he ministered to them. He healed them of their sicknesses. These people who are, uh, who are down and out, he ministers to them. I think what Matthew is doing here in Matthew chapter 12 is he is contrasting two groups of people in Israel at this time. They're the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees who are, who are proud, who want to hold on to their authority and their power, and Jesus threatens that. And then there's a whole other group of people in Israel who are hurting, who are waiting for something new to come, who are hoping for the Messiah to come, who know that they are poor and needy and sick, and they see and they have a hope that Jesus is the one. And they come to him in their sickness, in their brokenness, brokenness and he ministers to them. And so with these uh, contrasts of these two very different groups of people in mind, then Matthew gives us this quotation from Isaiah. And this quotation from Isaiah is a portrait of the ministry of the Messiah. An image or, or an example, a picture of what the ministry of the Messiah is like. And this is what Matthew through Isaiah says. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, 
the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out until he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. We see in this passage that the ministry of the Messiah, the ministry of Emmanuel, God with us, is first the ministry of a servant. It's the ministry of a servant. Jesus doesn't demand that anyone follow him. He doesn't coerce. He doesn't cajole. He doesn't do anything to force anyone to follow him. He serves, and out of that, people come to him and follow him. This is the opposite of the way that it was with the Pharisees. They demanded that people show them authority. Jesus doesn't do that. His leadership is the leadership of a servant. We see also that the ministry of the Messiah, the ministry of Emmanuel, is to the weak. He says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Uh, Ward family, I'm really sorry the trick that I played on you today. I put two trick candles there to illustrate (laughs) smoldering wick. I didn't really do that. (laughs) But it worked out really well, didn't it? A bruised reed, a reed, if you can kind of have in your mind uh, a, a piece of bamboo. That, that is the kind of reed that we have in mind. Bamboo is really strong. Like if you try to take a piece of bamboo and try to squeeze it together, like it's as strong as steel. But the moment that that reed becomes broken or there becomes a crease in it, it's really easy then to bend and to break. And reeds were used for all kinds of things. It was used for weapons. It was used to make uh, pens that people could write with. It was used for instruments, used for all kinds of things. But once there was a crease in it or once it was broken, it was useless. It didn't have the strength that it needed to have. It couldn't fulfill its purpose as a reed. And a smoldering wick does not fulfill its purpose. Its purpose is to give light So a smoldering wick is not fulfilling its purpose. A broken reed does not fulfill its purpose in what... Matthew says to us through the words of Isaiah is that the ministry of the Messiah, the ministry of the Emmanuel is comes to those who know that they are weak and they are broken. Comes to those who do not feel like they are fulfilling the purpose that they have for their lives or that God wants for them in their lives and his ministry is to them. And this is the kind of leader that is the hope of the nations. A leader who is a servant. A leader who is concerned about those who are needy and who are weak and who are poor. This is the kind of leader that is the hope of the nations. Not a leader who will try to convince and to lie and to cheat and to steal and to do whatever it takes to maintain their power. Jesus is a servant. And says, all who see who I am, all who will come and experience who Emmanuel is in his grace and in his mercy and his justice and his truth, anyone who will come and will receive my servanthood will receive life and peace and joy. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the Bible's entire message. 
did a whole series for about a year and a half on the Bible and God's mission, and I could have defined God's mission as Emmanuel. His work in the world to make a people and a world for himself where he can dwell and be present. If we think at the very beginning of the Bible story, I'm over here in the Garden of Eden, okay? That's why I'm walking over here. The Garden of Eden, it was a place of holiness and beauty and perfection, a place where Adam and Eve were together able to commune with God, but their sin did what? It cast them from the presence of of God. They experienced a brokenness in their relationship with God. And so we see in many ways that from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of the book of Revelation is God showing that he wants to be with us and making all kinds of ways for he himself to be with us. And so we see in uh, the Old Testament the, the stories of the tabernacle and the temple. And how God commands Israel to make this tabernacle and to build these, this temple where his specific and unique presence would be. There in the Holy of Holies was kind of like the hot spot of God's presence on the whole earth. There it was in the tabernacle and in the temple. And so you can only imagine around the year 580 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar came and he destroyed the temple. Can you imagine what we would feel like if this church building was destroyed by someone or by lightning or by fire, whatever it might be, how heartbroken we will be. Well, that is nothing compared to the people of Israel. This is a nice place where we come, we're able to gather together and to worship the Lord, but we know that God's presence goes with us by the Spirit. When the tabernacle and the temple were destroyed, where is God's presence with us now? And so they go into Babylon, and they are exiled for hundreds of years. And the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they speak of this time of Emmanuel, God with us. He's coming back. His presence will be here with us. And so John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word dwelling is a similar word to tabernacle. God tabernacled among us. Or even as Eugene Peterson says that God came and he moved into the neighborhood. He came and he made his dwelling among us. And then he tells his disciples after the resurrection and before he ascends into heaven, he says to them, go into all nations and what? I will be with you. My presence goes with you. And then at Pentecost, God sends his spirit, which is his personal presence to dwell with his people. And that's why our bodies and the church are called a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are this unique place of God's presence in the world. And then we have this promise in Revelation chapter 21, this promise that at the end of all things, when our Lord returns, that uh, the city of heaven will come down to earth and the dwelling place of God will be with men. And he will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more mourning and no more crying and no more pain because he will be with them. 
That's what we hope for. This is what has gone before. And here we are right now in this moment. Emmanuel, God with us, meant something different then, and it will mean something different in the future. But right now, what does it mean? Emmanuel, God with us. Then it's going to mean that there is no more mourning or no crying or no pain. Is there mourning and crying and pain right now? Here in this place? You bet. So what does Emmanuel, God with us, mean as we stand here at this place in God's plan for history? I think it's really tempting for us to believe That God with us means that God is going to make all of our dreams come true. It's tempting to have this image in our own mind of what our life is supposed to be like. These hopes in our dreams. And so what we do is we kind of add God to that and we say, God, will you help us achieve this vision that I have for our life? God is not a means to our own ends. It is not his agenda It's not his agenda to make all of our dreams in our life come true. And we have kind of an entire theology in the United States and spreading over all the world that tells us that if you accept Jesus, that you'll become healthy and wealthy. This is a lie. Here in this place, we encounter the realities of sin, the reality of violence, the reality of pain and suffering, the reality of disappointment. And so Emmanuel, God with us, means that in all of that, God is with us. Jesus wept. When we weep, Jesus weeps with us. When we mourn here in this place, he mourns with us. When we are disappointed in our life, he shares our disappointment and he calls us into something better. Here in this place, whatever place you are in right now, Emmanuel, God with us, right here. O come, O come, Emmanuel. I love this Christmas song. I really love joy to the world, the Lord is come. But I also really love the minor key of O come, O come, Emmanuel. Because it recognizes that be just because Emmanuel is here with us, it doesn't mean that now all of our dreams come true. It recognizes the reality of our suffering and our mourning and our pain. It doesn't ignore it. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. The ones that mourn in lonely exile here, rejoice, rejoice. 
O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from the depths of hell thy people save. Rejoice, rejoice. O come, thou day spring, come and cheer. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night. The gloomy clouds of night are very real. And death's dark shadows, put them to flight. It admits, it admits that death's dark shadows are things that we experience all the time. I love joy to the world, the Lord has come, but we also need, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Because the book of Matthew, at the very beginning, helps us put what Emmanuel, God with us, really means. Turn to Matthew chapter 1 and 2. The Christmas stories in our minds have become so nice and so quaint, haven't they? We have these Christmas cards that have this very nice and very peaceful image of Jesus and Mary and the baby and the the shepherds. We forget that this woman has just traveled 80 miles on a donkey. Or maybe she had to walk. I don't think we know, but we imagine she was on a donkey. 80 miles. Pregnant, great with child, as Luke tells us. And there's no room for them. There's no room for them. Matthew and Mary have been told that this baby inside her is Emmanuel, God with us. us. But imagine all of what they had to go through because Emmanuel was with her. All the shame that she had to endure from her community because God in his wisdom and in his great mercy chose her. But that choosing then required her to suffer. To go through the shame and humiliation of being pregnant before her wedding day. To go through all the physical trials of journeying all the way to Bethlehem from Nazareth, 80 miles to go there, and then to have no place to give birth to her baby. All that Joseph and Mary had to go through. I came across this uh, painting this week that I think is quite beautiful. Baby has been born. It's before the shepherds have come and disturbed them with their news of the angels. And here is Joseph sitting there looking. Imagine what is going on. And Mary just completely exhausted. Emmanuel, God with us. What's the next story that Matthew chapter 2 tells us about? We think Emmanuel, God with us, means that all of our dreams are going to come true, that everything is going to be okay now. Well, the very next story is the Magi coming to King Herod and telling them, where is this one that is born King of the Jews? And Herod hears about it, and he becomes so angry that he kills every child, every male child under the age of two in the whole town of Bethlehem. Dozens, if not hundreds of families lose their sons 
because Emmanuel, God with us. When God comes into the world, evil rears its head. When he comes into your life, evil rears its head. The sin that is in you, that is, real, that is a reality in our world, it responds to Emmanuel, God with us. And we have the story of the Magi themselves who have traveled perhaps for years, thousands of miles to come and to worship this one who they believe is going to be the king. And then they have to run away from Jerusalem run for their lives because of the madman Herod. I can't imagine that these men of dignity and authority had that in mind, believe that that's how that story was going to end, that they would be leaving Jerusalem, running away from a madman who wanted to kill them. All that Joseph and Mary went through, all that the nation of Israel went through, through losing their sons in Bethlehem, And the Magi themselves running away from their lives. And who is in the midst of all of that? Emmanuel. God with us. The ministry of the Messiah. The ministry of Emmanuel. Is given to bruised reeds and smoldering wicks. Those who know that they are poor and needy. And we have these two comparisons of the proud and the confident Pharisees. And we have these other men and women who know that they are sick and they are poor and needy. And who is it that sees and recognizes the Messiah? It is those who are poor and needy. The ministry of Emmanuel is for those who are bruised reeds and smoldering wicks, those who know that they are in need of something. And the great thing about this God with us story, the great thing about the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus himself became a bruised reed and a smoldering wick. That he himself knows what your suffering and your hurt is like. He knows what it means to be abandoned by his very close friend, the one that he trusted in. He knows what it is like to have people ridicule him and spit on him. He knows all of those things. That is God with us. The good news of the gospel is that Emmanuel himself became a servant, took on the nature of a servant, and became a bruised reed and a smoldering wick. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has gone through it all with us. God in heaven, we... Thank you that in every circumstance and in every moment of our lives that you are with us. We thank you that you took on flesh and went through all of the frustrations and disappointments and all the suffering and shame that all of us experience and you know what all of that is like. And that you did it so that, 
so that you could be with us. Lord, I pray that we would live with the truth of this in our hearts. That we would live our lives fully proclaiming and knowing and in confident hope that you are with us. We pray these things in the strong, good name of Jesus, Emmanuel. Amen.